Hello and welcome to another edition of Daf Shui Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. Uh, thanks for coming back after Pesach. I hope you uh, got through the uh, Red Sea and uh, on your way towards your own liberation. I hope we are all on our way towards liberation. I took off a week last week. There was no Daf Shui. Um, but I was out at the Adelantos Detention Center in Adelanto, California, at the city hall there, demanding that the uh, city not renew, not give a permit to the private prison company, GEO, to expand Adelanto because of its abhorrent record of physical, mental, and sexual abuse of the detainees at Adelanto detainees who it must be stressed, have not violated any criminal law. They came to the country and are undocumented, um, so they violated civil law. But they are being held in abhorrent conditions, even though Adelanto was ordered to release most of the prisons. We're demanding that the detention center is shut down and that our administration begin an immigration policy which is based on being humane and welcoming and converting our country into one that looks at a refugee or an asylum seeker and asks, what can we do for you? And what will happen to you if we don't do anything to you rather than, oh my God, you're invading. So that's what I did last week, along with standing with our API siblings um, in light of the massacre in Atlanta. And then we had Sudas Mashiach, in which, last day of Pesach, in which we envision a whole different future going through the Red Sea, looking towards Shavuot. And so here we are, here we are, counting the Omer, counting the days till we get to Sinai and another revelation. Who knows what it will be? So, some good news, some cheery news. I'm proud and pleased. I'm sure that Ellie will have some proud and pleased music because Daf Shui Weekly Daf has been selected by Feedspot's Top 60 Jewish Podcast list as one of the Top 60 Jewish Podcasts on the web. We are number 24, and we came in above a podcast called Call Your Mother. So there you go. Top 60 Jewish Podcasts wanted to personally give me a high five and thank me for my contribution to this world. I think that's pretty nice. And so go check out blog.feedspot.com slash Jewish Podcasts. And there's like an underline between Jewish and podcast. And we are there. Coming in this week at number 24. If we go down in the future, we'll have to just organize massive protests outside the non-existent building of Feedspot. Here we go. Okay, so we are on. We are starting the fourth chapter. Yay! I know, we're supposed to have a special podcast with an interview. And that will happen. But, of course, I have not gotten my stuff together yet for it to happen at this moment. So we're going to surge ahead into chapter four. Chapter four of Ocher Tabayit. 61A, top line on the page. In the layout that was laid out originally by the Widow and Brothers Ram lo these 150 years ago in Vilna. Here we go. Mocher Tabayit. 
So this chapter, just a little overview, this chapter, or the beginning of this chapter at least, is about legal definitions. It seems at times to verge into philosophical definitions, like what is houseness? But it's mainly, it seems to me, legal definitions. And this is one of the things that we'll be checking as we go along, whether actually they're interested in the more philosophical, theoretical side of it, or they're interested more in the straight on, how do we say things as clearly as possible so that no mistake is made in contracting? Now, that second choice sometimes undermines itself. If anybody has ever read their, for example, bank contract for your savings account or your checking account, at some point after the first paragraph, you no longer have no idea, any idea what's going on because it is so exact and precise. So there you go. Okay, one who sells a house. Lo machar yitziah, did not sell. Now, yitziah is something that the Gemara is going to interrogate about what it exactly means, but it's some kind of perhaps loft or storage space, right? It is ironic that in trying to be very specific about different things, one of those things, the yitziah, is actually ambiguous as to what it is, but that's what we got. Loma Chayetzia did not sell the loft or the the uh, storage space. Afal piship to chalatocho, even if that loft opens into the house. Velo et and not neither the room that is inwards of the loft space. In other words, like if there's like a second story. Velo uh, or there's a, an inner room. Right? You have a room and then an inner room, which in our houses we have all the time, but then they were talk, thinking more along the lines of single room buildings, nor the roof, at a time time when it has a fence around it, which is in other words, so that it can be used and it has its own separate use. That's another part of this equation of whether we're talking about houseness or definitional acuity or, or accuracy or use, right? So here the question might be, do these different things. We have a house, and then we have the loft space, which has a different use. So therefore, you might not intend that when you say, I'm selling you my house. Or the roof has a different use than the house. It's not to live in. It's to keep stuff. Or to have a rave party. Okay? So, and the ma'akeh, right, that some uh, tasim, there is a an explicit obligation in Torah, to put a fence around a roof so that nobody gets killed hanging around on the roof and falling off. It's one of those things. So if you put a fence around the roof, that shows that it is for use. If there's no fence, the only understand, the only reason it could be that there is no fence is that nobody is supposed to go up there. All right. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Im yesh lo tzirat petach af al if it has a an opening which looks like a doorway, then even if the ma'ake, even if the fence is not ten tfachim high, it is still not sold because it seems to signify that it has a separate use. My yitzia, okay, so the Gemara now asks, My yitzia, what is a yitzia? This thing that we translated as loft. Hachatargimu apata. So here we translated, or they translated, apata. Now, 
apata, there are two main directions in interpretation of what apata means in the Rishonim. Rashbam says it's a small building outside the house on the side or in the back. Probably a small building and he says a kind of a storage. The Yad Ramah says the type of loft inside the house. The one goes up to by way of a chimney-type structure, an arubah. So in other words, it's inside the house, but it's not like a bedroom. Oh, I'm going to go up. To, I'm going to go slither up the chimney to the bedroom. It's obviously someplace that is for specific usage, like storage. The Meiri interprets that it's a small loft which is inside the house, but separated from the house and used for storage. So again, they all agree. They don't agree exactly what this this structure looks like, but they all agree that it has a separate use than the house, which is for living. Rav Yosef Omar, Badka Chalila. Rav Yosef says it is it is a Badka Chalila. Again, it's not totally clear what it means, but so, some of the manuscripts have Barka, and uh, that's Sakhalov thinks that that's the Sakhalov in his dictionary, thinks that that's the correct Girsa, but then Sakhalov, despite the fact that he claims that that's the correct Girsa, as some of the manuscripts have, um, goes on to say that the meaning is uncertain, though possibly a balustrade balustrade, like a, an internal gallery. And Rashbam goes with, it's just like an apata, but it is closer or right up against the house. And then there are different different understandings in the Rishana. All right. So, so the one who says that if it's an apata... So an apata is not sold. So all the more so that apata, they kind of separated out, perhaps storage space is not sold. Of course, the badka chalila, the balustrade is not sold. So the one who says that the badka chalila is the one that's not sold, but the apata then is sold. So now that's a little confusing because here we're both these things are describing, are interpreting yitziah. But it means that if we say that Yitziah means apata, right, according to the Stam, um, so then the uh, Badka Khalila is obviously sold, and it's not even mentioned in the Mishnah. If we say that it means a Badka Khalila, so then the uh, apata is sold, because it's perhaps closer to the house. Okay. Tani, Reb Yosef, Shalosh Shemot Yeshlo. So Rabbi Yosef says there are three names, that the Yitziah has three names. Tzela, Ta, Yitziah. Three synonyms. One is Tzela. Tzela is literally side. Later on, rib. But it means kind of the, the wall. Ta is is a an, uh, a hollow structure in the wall. Yitziah is what we were just trying to explain. Yitziah. Yitziah, it says in the verse in Melachim describing the building the temple that the lower rung, the lower level, um, is uh, five amot in its width. Tzela, because it says, Vatzlaot tzela el tzela shalosh ushloshim pe'amim. And there in Yechezkel, also describing the the temple, but this is the temple that Yechezkel saw in a dream at night. And there he's saying the, the tzlaot, the side ribs or parts of the, the wall, were one next to the other 33 times. Ta and this kind of cell, like a, a cupboard or an empty, might look like a kind of a cupboard, but it's like an an, uh, an empty space inside the wall. Um, 
אורך וקנה אחד רחב ובין התאים חמש אמות. That is, what the tie is one אמה אורך and one אמה wide and one אמה deep and there are five אמות between these תאים, between these places in the wall and they come into play in Mishnah Midot when it talks about the blueprint for if you want to make your own temple. And perhaps from here, actually a different proof text, Kotel Hayechal Sheish, the Vahata Sheish, that the wall of the uh, sanctuary is six wide and the Ta is six wide also. Kotel Hata Chamesh, and the wall of the Ta, the wall of this inside, this, this kind of room, is five. All right. And Marzutra says, and that is dependent on it having four amot. Okay, that was a big chunk to bite off. Marzutra said that the, the Yitziah, the Ta, the whatever we're calling it, the Tzela, has to have Arba Amot. And Ravina challenges Marzutra, saying that according to you, said that it has to have four Amot, or else it's something else. However, right, Elamayata, about a cistern, says in the Mishnah, the next Mishnah further on, neither the cistern nor this other type of place to keep water, even though it's even though he wrote in the contract umkavaruma, which is interesting because it's in the Mishnah, but these words are Aramaic because the language of contracting apparently was Aramaic. You know, it's a, he wrote in the contract depth and height. So therefore, in other words, that below the house and above the house, there too, hachinami, there too, it should be if there were four amot in ilala. If there are four amot in this cistern then it is included, and if not, it's not, it's something else, just like the Yitziah would be only up till for Amot. Hachi Hashta. So wait, 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 wait. Hatam hatashmishta lechud v'hatashmishta lechud. There, the use of the bar is different than the use of the house, because the bar is a water cistern, right? So it's used just to collect water. You don't want to collect water in your house, because then you can't live in it. But here, both of them have the same type of use. And if they have, so if it's four amot, so then it's considered something in and of itself, and therefore it's not necessarily sold with the house. And if it doesn't have four amot, then it is sold together with the house. So again, we're now moving the conversation, or the Gemara is moving the conversation, to the question of whether not of houseness, but usage, right? This Yitziah, if it is small, then it is batel, in the language of the Rashbam, it is assimilated into the house, and therefore sold with the house. But if it is larger than four amot, larger than four cubits, then it is its own thing, and it can be, it is considered its own thing, thing being, of course, a technical term that real estate agents use all the time, its own object, and therefore it is not included in the sale of the house. Just one side comment here, which might or might not be important, 
just once again, just like we started the first chapter and immediately got in on, on Duff Gimel 3b for a into the whole question, into this story about the temple and building the temple. And that came off of the fact that we had stones that were called gazit, and those kind of, uh, of smoothed-out stones were stones that were also used in building the temple. Here, too, the first thing we do is we go to three verses that have to do with temple when we're talking about a house. Now, it could be just that, look, these are these are, are the terms that are used to describe a house. And when we want to find out what those terms are, the verses that come up in Torah are verses that have to do with temple. Could be. But I think that there's more to it. And the Gemara is not making a big deal out of it, just letting it sit here. We're starting a new chapter. And when you talk about a house, you can't not think about the house. And the house, a bayit, is a Beit HaMikdash. So the house is the temple. Maybe. Wouldn't stake my life on it. But, you know, who knows? This week's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Plugta, the original social conflict consultancy. Ever wonder how to resolve those awkward social situations where you were throwing a party and you invite one person, but you meant to invite another person? And you really liked the one person, but you ended up inviting the person you really hated? Because their names were really close, and your fingers are really fat, and they hit the wrong name, and then you left a message, and the wrong guy came to the party, and now what do you do? Well, let me tell you. Plugta was created for just those situations. With their patent-pending Compton by Compton method and their JBID solutions, that is, just burn it down, you won't have to worry about these situations anymore. You will be able to enjoy your parties without the pesky people who just want to poop on your party. And the best thing is, the JBID solutions give you maximal deniability, so when things go south, you aren't even there. And now, for listeners of this podcast, a special offer. If you contact us through our website, www.plukta.com slash dafshui, you get half off on your first social disaster. That's www.plukta.com dafshui. Okay, we continue in the Gemara. Lo and not the, the room which is further inside the house than the Itziah. Uh, we don't sell. It was also not included when he, when one sells the house. So So now I understand that the Yitziah, you're not going to sell the Yitziah when you say the Bayit. So if that's true, do we even have to say the Cheder? Because the, the, the Yitziah, which is its function, is a function which is very similar to the function of of the house, right? You live, you have your your, your stuff. But the itziah, but the cheder, the room, which is just, at least this is the way the rush bomb goes, which is just for uh, kind of preserving your money or storage. So that room, uh, we wouldn't, uh, that room, of course, which has a different function than the house function. So of course you wouldn't sell it. So the Gemara says, no, we need, the Mishnah says, that we have to mention both of them. It's not obvious from the fact that you mention the Yitziah, that the Yitziah is not sold with the house, the, the, this kind of loft space is not sold with the house, that the room, the kind of an upper room for storage is not sold with the house. Because even though, so we need to say it, because even though you can write out, draw out the boundaries outside, according to Rav Nachman, who says... Even though 
Meitzarim here chivlo. Even if one of somebody sells a house to their friend in a large kind of house complex, it's not totally clear what the beer is, whether it's like a, a uh, you know, Downton Abbey where it's a really large castle that has some other houses on the property or whether it's like a condominium where there are common areas and then apartments off the common areas or whether it's like a, a castle which has a wall around it and all kinds of different houses. Unclear, but Rabba Baravua said, and Rav Nachman tells us about this, that one who sells a friend a house in a bira in one of these large in a larger house, even though he he writes out the boundaries, the outer boundaries, so we still understand that Meitzarim here chivlo that he was generous in writing the boundaries, right? So therefore, in the same way, we would think that he's generous in writing the boundaries in when he sells the house that he sells it. As we said in the last in the, in the last paragraph, but I and your father includes everything, meaning that the room would also be included. So that's why it has to say that the room is also not included. Okay, so but now, of course, we're going to discuss this other topic of meitzarim uh, yerchivlo that when when one sells an apartment in a biran, a large apartment complex or condo or palace, whichever way we're going. So he has generous generous boundaries, meaning it includes the uh, other things aside from just the apartment. Hechidami. So the the Gemara asks, what does that mean? If everybody calls a house a house and a bira a bira, right? Two separate things. So like a, a, a large apart a large building is a bira and a house a house. Pshita. So then it's easy. Buy it Zavinle. Bira la Zavinle. So he sold him the house. He didn't sell him the, the, the complex, the, the, the access to the common areas. Ella de la Bira nami karula buy it. But in a case where the Bira, the larger edifice, is also called house, buy it. Kule Zavinla. So there he sold him everything, meaning he has access to all the common areas and not just the minimal uh, house. La, tzricha. No, he has to write both. Why? Deruba karule lebayit bayit lebira bira. Because most people call a house a house, and they call a a the, the larger comp the larger edifice a bira. The ekonami de lebira karule bayit. But there are some people who call a bira a house. Right. So maudetem. What what is it that you would have said? Kule zavinle. So you would have thought that, so he sold him everything. Kamash Milan, so we, rather we learn, since he could have written, and I did not leave over anything from this, meaning I sold you everything. I didn't leave over anything in what I sold you. And he didn't write that. So, since he didn't write, I didn't leave over anything. So, obviously, he did leave over anything. So, therefore, it is not the larger edifice that he sold, but only the smaller edifice that he sold. And that's why it has to be added into the contract. And that's why also we have to have the Mishnah that says that if one sells a house to his friend in a bira, even if he writes out the boundaries, we consider the boundaries as larger boundaries. Okay.
Nachman once again says in the name of Rabbi one who sells a field to his friend in a large, larger plateau or valley. Even though he wrote out the outer boundaries of the field, those boundaries are generous boundaries. So what does this mean? So it does them so in a case where everybody calls a field a field and a valley a valley, pshita. It's obvious that he sold him the field, he didn't sell him the valley. And and at the same time, when the valley is also called a field, so he sold him the whole thing because he said, here's the, the, the field. La Tsricha, no. He has to we have to write this out. It's not actually that simple. Why? The Ika de la Sadeh Karlay Sadeh Lubika Pika, because there are those who call the field a field and the valley a valley. Vika Nami de Lubika Karala Sadeh. And but there are also those who call the valley a field. So therefore we would have been in a brach if we hadn't written it out. We would have been in a we would have had a problem. Brach, that was a Yiddish word which was brought to you by Duolingo Yiddish Day. What would you have said? I would have thought he sold him everything because he calls a bika a sadeh. Kamash Malan, so it teaches us since he, he should have written out for him. I did not leave over in this sale anything before me. In other words, I didn't save, reserve any of this. But he didn't write that. So the the upshot is that we learn from here that he actually did reserve part of it because otherwise he would have had to write, I didn't reserve anything. And we need it. And we needed the whole thing because we would have thought because each of them, and we needed both the Bika and the house because the house and the Yitzhiah have two different uses. But with a Bikana Sadeh, since they all have one usage, they all are fields that you work, say that they're all, they sold them all together. Or, on the other hand, if you're going to say that in a valley, because it's hard, he couldn't have bounded it. It's hard, because if you look out, you just see fields. Aval, well, we're going to find out actually next week that they, that they could do a little, lot of bounding and bordering in complicated ways, but not yet. So here we're still asking if he would have just said, if he would have just taught us Bika, the valley, because he couldn't bound it, couldn't write out clear boundaries. Aval, buy it, but a house, the Havale, the Mimtzar, which is pretty easy to write out its boundaries and to see its boundaries. He could have bounded it or boundaried it. And he didn't write out his boundaries. So therefore, he sold it all to them. So then he asked, so that's why we need both the case of the, the, the valley and the field and the case of the house and its appurtenances, like the Yitziah. Kaman Azla. So now we're taking a step backwards in the generation, saying, who does this whole line of thinking that we need both the field and the house and we have to do everything, who does this accord with? Ha! 
the Amar, the Amar Rav Mari braid the Bat Shmuel, or Rav Mari did Bat Shmuel. Um, this goes according to Rav Mari, who is the son of the daughter of Shmuel. So this is important just to note because here's one of the few women who are mentioned in the Gemara, Bat Shmuel, the daughter of Shmuel, and Rav Mari is the son of Shmuel's daughter, and Rav Mari is a guy in his own right, but Bat Shmuel, whose name is not mentioned here, but she is uh, mentioned as in the lineage, and it's not just Rav Mare. Apparently, Rav Mare, there's a story about Rav Mare's father, not so good. So, though Rav Mare's mother is credited as Bat Shmuel, but not given her name in her own right. So, Rav Mare de Bat Shmuel, Mishmeda Abaye, it said in the name of Abaye, Haiman de Zavin. Haiman de Mazbenile, Midi le Chavre, somebody who sells something to his friend. Tzarech le Michtavle has to write, La Sharet Bezvini Ilein Kadamai Klum. I didn't leave over for myself, I didn't reserve in this sale for myself anything. All right, so that's going a step further. That's not just saying. That's the up until now we were using the opposite and drawing a conclusion from the opposite from the fact that in the sale he didn't say I didn't leave anything to myself I didn't reserve anything that he did reserve here Abaya is saying actually in every sale that somebody sells he has to say he has to write explicitly La ilan I did not reserve in this sale anything for myself. Come on, who does this go like? And now we close the circle. Rav Nachman Amar Barabua, like Rav Nachman, who said the name of Rabbi Barabua, Rav Nachman Amar Barabua from above, who said that Hamocher Bayit Lachaver Rabbi Biragidola Afapishu Meitzar Lo Mitzarim Chatzonim Meitzarim Hirchiv Lo. That even if somebody sells somebody a house in a large complex, a large edifice, so even if he wrote out the boundaries, it's considered as if the boundaries are generous boundaries, and he gets the bira also because he didn't say that I reserve everything for myself. Okay, so we're going to stop there, and we see that this is, we're starting this process of starting to define what it means to sell a house and what it means to sell a field, and we're going to continue with that and ask questions about the boundaries of the field, and hopefully... You will join us again in the Bay Midrash in the Closet next week for another episode of Daf Shui Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a Daf or so. My name is Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. Uh, thanks, as always, to my amazing Chavruta Charlotte Van Robert, my wonderful producer, Ellie Unger-Sargon. Check out his podcast, Four Cubits and the communications team and graphics specialists for Dashri are, as always, Shachar Cohen Hodos. For comments, input, opinions, questions, you can find me on email at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Taking refuge in the Bateman Josh in the closet. Be well.